This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hi guys, welcome back to your weekly Stoke City podcast, Every Step Along the Way. This week we'll discuss the loss versus Reading, discuss the upcoming game versus West Brom, and also a lot of hot topics that you, the listeners, have asked us to discuss. So a very busy pod in store, sit back, relax, and enjoy. Okie dokie, so it's good to be home. I've filled myself with uh, pierogi and some cheap beer and also enjoyed a nice 14 to 16 hour delay, but uh, good to be uh, back from Poland. I know Dan and and Andy, you've missed me immensely. So um, yeah, it's good good to be back, boys. But um, Dan, how's your week been, mate? You been okay? Baby been behaved over COVID by the sounds of you? Yes, yes, all over COVID now. That's all all, a long distant memory. My uh, muscles are no longer aching. I can go up and down the stairs without needing to sit down, other than being a fat git and maybe sometimes <laughs> needing to do it for that reason. <laughs> You're just an old uh, man now. Yeah, for, for anyone who, for anyone who's had a baby with reflux, she's got a bit of that. So we've got that to contend with, but she, we, we I think we, we've got it under control now. We're sorted. So, yes, the, uh, yeah, she's hopefully she's going to be more settled and be able to sleep good good to hear mate no um i must admit i can't imagine having what four kids is like one is bloody enough so yeah i feel for you but no good good on you mate uh in your element by the sounds of it um and uh mr andrew blinston how are you my friend tired after you know getting back at about two in the morning yesterday and obviously i don't think the food agreed with me so other than that we're doing well and i'm still here in good spirit Good mate. Well, uh, I hope you're sitting next to the toilet just in case. But um, yeah, thanks for <laughs> thanks for giving up some time and being a mug by going to the uh, the game the other night. It's always good. You can probably fill us in with how good or bad it was. I, I did have a stream on uh, a very a very legal stream, of course. Um, so yeah, it was uh, it was a very interesting uh, game. <clears throat> Not. So anyway, uh, let's get into it because we've. I mean, like I mentioned, really on the intro, you know, we've got a number of things to discuss we've got all the normal topics but no you guys have been in touch with us as well asking us to discuss um some quite um hot topics topics that i think aren't going to be a, a 30 second response so um lots to discuss so let's get straight into it um reading <laughs> so um i'm going to reserve my thoughts for now andy seeing as you went to the game mate what were your firstly your your thoughts on the performance um any anyone at all stand out for you? Because I'll be honest, I know Dan did the man of the match poll, which we'll probably get onto. But um, I think we might have been trying to figure out who to go for best of a bad bunch, if you like. Yeah, no one really stood out for me last night. Obviously, Thompson picked up his injury and so he has came on and managed to get the goal. He was obviously wanting to fight for it, which a lot of people say he hasn't really been doing this season. He's doing a lot more running than what he was earlier on. Um, Magia, obviously, we've said it for a while, but 
isn't moving around as we expect, but we're perhaps not playing it into his strengths. But maybe Michael O'Neill or, you know, Joe Allen needs to have a word with him to sort of get him up and running. Hopefully he can have a good run to the end of the season. Jacob Brown, since getting his play of the month, has just absolutely gone off the boil and had a massive spoon foot with two or three attempts last night. Um, but like I've said, no one really stood out for me. I thought Jagielka has always put in a good shift at um, his defensive position. Wilmot and Tymer at the the wide backs, as they say, um, as the full backs, that's the word, um, doing well as all. But I thought Baker was a bit lost last night and a bit invisible. And yeah, he was. it could be maybe from his knot that he picked up and, you know, still sort of feeling it. But, you know, you know, it's one of them and going from, you know, spoiling two playoff parties in Millwall and Sheffield United to that, it was a complete contrast to what we've seen. It was, mate. And I know, I know what you're saying about Baker. He, he's one of them. He did nothing wrong. He just was invisible. Um, and I think part of the problem is I'm not quite sure this midfield, it just feels very disjointed. Um, you know, I think that individually, those players are very good players on their own, as maybe, maybe in a different team, but a bit, you know, collectively, they they seem to really, really struggle. We've not we've not cracked the code um, for me, but by a long chalk. And um, I think you said, you know, very kind of mediocre performance, if, and that's probably being kind. It, it wasn't great. I mean, they come out um, literally went at us from the kickoff. Uh, straight on. We just couldn't get a foot on the ball. Um, and yeah, I mean, the goal from obviously Sawyer's um, good goal. Keeper should have done better for me, though. He's not put it in the corner. He's used power. And you know what? If you have a go, sometimes you get lucky. I'd rather him have a go and be lucky than not have a go at all. So, yeah, it was, it was really, really disappointing. But but Dan, I mean, I'm not sure how much of the, of the game you actually you managed to see, mate, whether you got, got a chance to see it all. But um, a very poor performance when you consider, like Dan's just said, uh, sorry, that Andy's just said, you know, complete contrast to the previous two games. Yeah, it was a shame, really. Like I say, we we got a bit of confidence up, a bit of momentum, a bit of good feeling that they're missing for such a long time. Uh, it all seemed to be building back up again after two wins against, let's be honest, two impressive wins as well, aren't they? Millwall and Sheffield United. Um, two solid clean sheets. And then it all just seemed to sort of unravel last night again. And it's just the inconsistencies, I think, which more than anything is is like just blighting blighted the season, hasn't it, for the last say what, six months now? It's just what that inconsistency. That come down to, though, mate? Why why can we play great or good um and go and complain utter crap the next week? Or two days later? I, I don't know. So I, I don't think anybody knows because because if we if they did know, if Michael O'Neill knew, for example, I'm sure he'd sort it out, wouldn't he? But you hope so, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> it's like you know, I, I I think there's been a lot of chopping and changing. But then, yes, last night there wasn't, was it? You know, it was only it was only one change. It was only Baker who came in for Vrancic, which. Nobody was arguing with that change, really. You know, there's, Baker's been arguably our best player in 2022. And Mario's struggling to find any form and any rhythm. Uh, yeah, shame with Mario. He's, I think there's a there's a very good player in there. You just wonder whether we've just caught him a little bit too far past his sell-by date. 
I think was I think he at the start of the season he was playing a lot deeper, wasn't he? Nick Powell was the one in the number ten role, and Mario was sitting deeper with Joe Allen, and he played a lot better there. And every time we push him forward and expect him to do a role uh, as like a second strike, like off as a number ten, uh, it doesn't work. It just doesn't work. He needs to be sitting deeper and you know and enjoying. I think he does. I think he likes playing with Nick Powell. All his best performances came, didn't they, when it was him and Nick Powell in the same team together. I think they sort of bounce off each other. They've got their own, you know, they, they, they understand each other's game. They've got the same kind of footballing brain. Yeah, you're right, mate. And obviously we'll get on to the players, who's going to be here and who's not going to be here uh, shortly. But, um, yeah, I think it's a shame how it's turned out for Mario. I think we all were really, really hopeful. It doesn't seem like he's going to be sticking around um beyond that but uh but yeah i mean one of the main things as well that that came up dan and um you took a bit of stick for this mate so i'd I'd like you to be able to uh to you know defend yourself or defend your selections <laughs> if you like so um obviously man of the match options we gave uh, obviously sawyers baker and bonham now as soon as you put this up i'm gonna be honest i was like oh here comes the abuse. Um, and you kind of almost got some, mate. So um, do you want to defend the Bonham selection? Um, just, I, I literally just thought he made a couple of saves. Uh, I, I don't think he was a fantastic game, but I was looking throughout the side and I couldn't really see many others who stood out and deserved to be in there. And the fact he made a couple of saves, I, just, I know you know, he was well, didn't, do, didn't cover himself in glory with the goals, did he? But like I say, I did that, and and people were challenging it. And to be fair, I asked, I did say, okay, then who who should be in there instead of him? And nobody came back to me with a, an actual player. I had somebody say Nello should have been in there, but <laughs> <laughs> but but obviously there was no like actual, you know, nobody who'd been out on the pitch, and that who, you know, say that no one was put forward. So. Mm. It's all right no. saying he shouldn't be. Sure, he's saying he shouldn't be in there. Essentially, it was a two-man race. It was a two-man poll, was it? Sawyer's and uh, obviously Baker comes second with a few votes. But at the same time as well, um, although you know, like I say he didn't cover himself in glory, Bonham, but he did. He still got thirteen votes in that in that man of the match poll. So I obviously wasn't alone in thinking he didn't have the worst game. No, mate, I th- I think the the abuse was not. You didn't get abuse. Let's be honest, it wasn't. No, no, it, it wasn't abuse. Um, it was. No, I, I say the comments that you had were harsh. I mean, bottom for me, mate. That that goal that effectively was a handball in the end. I thought that initial save was a good save. It was quite point blank. I mean, he's he's managed to get his hand to it to tip it away. It's not his fault that it's come off the other player's blinking shoulder and gone in. I mean, that for me wasn't a bad save. He made a couple of of generally half decent saves other than that. I saw him get abused for the second goal as well. Um and say, you know, he should have saved it. I, I can't see that myself. I, I, the header came in from what, six yards out and it's taken a deflection before it's gone in. I think people are like and under, I get it in a way. People want Joe Bursic in goal. I want Joe Bursic in goal. And I think it's again a scenario where it's just easy to hit him with every potential chance. Um, he possibly can. So I think he's a victim of a little bit of people wanting Joe in as opposed to him playing particularly badly. But um, yeah, they, they've both got strengths and weaknesses. And again, we'll uh, we'll come on to it. Um, so we've had a few comments um, in as well from obviously regular listeners and, uh, you know, um, 
We'll we'll start off with Rory because Rory's I think sent us a bit of a comment around um, I think actually the the back to back wins it's then filtered over into to last night so uh, covering a bit of both so Rory says uh, what a, a second game uh, that we've won come out with a clean sheet uh, although it was an own goal I do think it would have gone in anyway from my opinion Tymon definitely deserves man of the match because he was excellent and I totally agree uh, he's really some talent behind him and I hope he chooses to stay. Purely, I think the situation with Maja being booed was disappointing, but fans uh, would do that. The fans need to get behind the players because they're human and have mental health as well. But I genuinely have uh, good hope that these next few games, let, uh, let's hope for a win against West Brom. Let's keep going and playing the way we have and something get something good out of this season. Um, and then Oliver, who's uh, looks for a regular listener, has gone in for touch for the first time. Um, he would have done a voice message, but he's got a sore throat. So uh, I hope you, you feel better. Uh, but yeah, just came back from Stoke match. I think the first half was typical Stoke, uh, we, but we actually played pretty well in the second. Time and Alan, brilliant as always. And I hope Michael can get some momentum in the squad for at least a top half finish. Uh, not sending a voicemail because I've got a pretty sore throat. So, um, yeah, both of you, thank you very much for doing that. And again, we've got some topics that people want us to discuss that we'll move on to. But um, any particular comments from from either of you on any of those? There's quite a lot of stuff to take in. I mean, Rory mentions Maja, for example, and Andy, you mentioned him. But um, is Maja a bad player or have we just not got a clue how to play to the guy? He's definitely not a bad um, striker or a player at all. If you remember, if you've seen the Sunderland Till I Die documentary on there, he was scoring goals for fun because Sunderland knew how to play to his strengths. He needs the ball to his feet rather than getting hoof long at him trying to win it header. He can hold up play, as we saw with the goal which Sawyer's got. And the, some of the goals he scored for Bordeaux whilst he was there were relatively decent goals. But with him being booed and that, we've, we've touched on it quite a few times this season. It's just just how you know Stoke fans are at the moment, most of them. And you need to start backing the players because I've said it, why would you want to play for a team where no matter what you're doing, even if you are paying a bit poorly, you're going to be you know, booed for whatever you do. Timon, we've mentioned him a lot, probably one of the most improved players this season. Getting a lot of man and match awards and probably on for you know that player of the season award that we've got. But you, we just need to keep backing the boys and... Hopefully we can get that top half finish because I think that's the best case scenario we've got at the moment. You know, even a top half finish looks a blinking mile away. Let's be honest. Um, I, I don't want to be negative, but it just it just doesn't feel like we can really scrape too much of a run together. We win two for the first time since what was it, October November, um, and then we, as Dan, you know, you pointed out, we we go and do that against two good teams, and then we go and lose against a crap one. It's just like. Oh. It's just like two steps forward, you know, three steps back at the minute. But anyway, um, yeah, so like I say, just thank you to, to everyone who, who got in touch on that one. Um, as a reminder, for anybody who does want to get in touch, because I know people seem to after the game. So uh, a few different ways you can do it. Uh, either, you know, send us a Twitter DM. I just go on to every step along the way on Twitter. You'll find it on there. Uh, we do have a Facebook page. We've not really pushed it too much, but um, you know we'll probably talk a bit more about that next season. But we have a Facebook page, so just go on to uh, every step along the way on Facebook. You'll find it on there. You can feel free to to drop us a comment, and there's a number on there for a WhatsApp as well. So, uh, yeah, make sure uh, you get in touch, and we'll definitely cover off uh, any of your questions or any just general thoughts. Um, you'll certainly sound better than we do. So. Um, yeah, I think that pretty much covers Reading. Uh, have you both got any any further comments before we move on? Or Campbell looks like he's back to his old self. 
from when he came off the bench is what I thought. Doing a lot more running and obviously trying to actually make chances and trying to score goals himself. But with how they were towards the end of the game, obviously feeling a bit dilapidated and just wanting to sort of get the game over. He couldn't really show what he is 100%. But I know we're not talking about Sheffield United, but I thought when he came off the bench there, setting up timing for his goal, he looks like he needed that two weeks break to sort of get, you know, a bit more rest into him and be the player that we all know he can be. Yeah, he's been a bit of a shadow of his former self, hasn't he, since coming back from injury. So, um, yeah, needs a good pre-season. Um, I'd, I'd, I'd play him personally now for the rest of the season. Uh, start him every game. He needs to get some confidence up. He doesn't really want to be going into the, you know, the the summer uh, without scoring a goal. To be honest. So, yeah, let's see how that goes. Um, Dan, any final observations for you, mate? Uh, no, I think we've got we've got enough to speak about today and try to be a little bit more positive. Here. We can leave this Reading game well behind now. Yes. Okay. Lovely. Well, what a great place to finish off that bit. Uh, so yeah, the next section is obviously the news section as always. But again, we'll tag on to this now an extra section uh, called fans questions. Okay, okay then. So some brief news. Um, Baker uh, has today been, uh, I think, nominated for Player of the Month, which is uh, good to see. I mean, I'm not sure, but I mean, we've, we've mentioned Baker very briefly, just the fact he didn't have a good, good game. But um, he's been a, a breath of fresh air um, since he joined us. I'm pretty sure both of you would agree with me on that one. I think, what, what was it now? He's, I think he's scored seven in 15 games uh, since he joined in January. Seven in um, 15, I believe it is. You know, comparing to like the strikers... He's doing a lot better than, you know, pretty much every player in the squad goals-wise. And coming from a centre-defensive mid, it it really does say something about his ability that we've managed to get. It's it's one of them as well, mate. Some people were saying about, oh, you know, we, what we need for the new season going forward and let's try and you know, build a team around Nick Powell. And I made the same comment. You don't want to make... I mean, well, sorry, I'll try that again. You don't want to be building a team around Nick Powell because there's no guarantees the guy's ever going to play. Now, if you want a player to build a team around, Baker, for me, is that player. He's come with a good attitude. I think he could be a captain, absolutely. I think there's there's a future captain in there. Obviously, Suter will, of course, get that captaincy back, I think, um, next season. But, you know, again, Baker, for me, he's got all the attributes that I would want to see um, in a in a real quality midfielder and to go and score seven and 15 after only being with us for what best part of four months. Um, he's 26 years old. You know, again, he's got a lot of time with us yet. He's got a lot of chance to prove himself. Um, and, you know, we talk about Nick Powell, there's question marks over whether he's going to stay, whether we, we, we actually want him to stay because he just can't stay fit. Now we talk about the replacements for him. Maybe Baker's that replacement. And, I mean, for me, Powell's good in that kind of behind the, the striker uh, type position. But if a guy from the field can score seven and 15, he knows where the net is. For me, get Baker in the Nick Powell position um, and he is the replacement for Powell. And then Powell can be the backup player. Maybe even if we don't keep him, uh, maybe get somebody else in. But yeah, for me, mate, uh, Baker needs to, I think we need to build a team around him this summer. Uh, Dan? What's your thoughts, mate? Would you probably uh, agree, or am I being too kind? No, I, th- I, uh, I was really excited when we did sign him. I think you remember me saying, you know, I was, uh, I thought it was a great bit of business. Um, for, you know, fantastic that we got him in on a free as well. 
but the what you're saying there about moving forward, it may, it may work, but it may also be similar to what we're saying with Vrancic there, where because you move them further forward, they don't find the pockets of space. Like a lot of uh, Baker's goals have come where where we've been pushing. So a lot of players have ended up in the penalty area and he's hovered like 22, 25 yards out and he's he's managed to find some space because he sort of drifted up the field from his position. Whereas if he's starting further forward, he's going to be picked up more by defenders. So he's not going to be able to get the, the space that he's finding at the minute. And he's good enough, like I say, to pick the ball up, edge of the box, and just put, find it, you know, find the side netting every time, and to give the keeper no chance, as we've seen, you know, what three, three, four times already he's scored, you know, from outside the box. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, mate. And what do you think of him for for captain material? Do you think he's yeah he's I, along I, those lines? I, I like him. I, th- I think he's he's captain material in that he's been brought up. You can tell that he's been brought up professionally at Chelsea, can't you? The way that they do things, obviously, they instill a certain way of doing things that, that, through their academy graduates. And he's seems very meticulous in the way that he goes about it. He's very confident and he's looking to get involved all the time. There's no shirking involved from him. There's no hiding I, I really, I really like him. I think, like you say, I'd, I'd be building a team around him. I'd give him the armband. I think he has. I think he sets high standards, and I think he would uh, demand those of the people around him as well. And it, that's the thing with a captain, especially when if you're like a captain who's the best player at the club as well. It's not. It's not about saying I can do this. Why can't you? It's all about getting, making sure people are putting 100% effort in and playing to the best of their ability and not accepting, you know, they, you accepting that they might not be as good as you, but they need to play to the top of their level and nothing else, nothing else matters. And you can tell from the way he is and the way he conducts himself that that's how he is. And I think we need a captain like that, especially with all the, with the, a lot of young lads and around the team and, I know we're probably going to get onto this later. There's probably going to be more young lads brought in for next season, judging by you know the, the contract situation of a lot of the older players. Yeah, yeah, it's going to be very interesting this summer. Um, okay, that's cool. We'll, we'll keep an eye out, see whether he, whether he wins that. I'm not quite sure who he's been nominated against, but if Mitrovic is one of them, then forget it. But so the list uh, he's up against is Solanke of Middlesbrough, Jake Cooper for Millwall, Johnson, Clark, Harris for Peterborough. Sander Burge for Sheffield United and Colin Grant of West Brom. Hmm. Which okay. I, don't, I know they're all good players, but I, I haven't really heard too much championship news about them with how they've been playing in that. So. No. Okay. Well, uh, we'll uh, soon see, mate. But um, so, anyway, on to slightly uh, different news. Uh, Dan, the section that we uh, all enjoy, and I know feedback we've had is, is especially. So, under-18s, uh, under-23s, and the women's team update, please. Yeah, well, the under-23s have had a mixed week. Uh, they beat Aston Villa 4-1 away on Friday, last Friday night. Uh, there was a couple of penalties in there and also a couple of goals for Abdallah Seema. Uh, so he's obviously getting himself, you know, getting himself ready for the end of season push now that the se- the first team season is dead. <laughs> Probably better off keeping him in the under twenty threes. They've got something to play for. 
Yeah, so it feels a bit pointless <laughs> right now, doesn't it? I mean, yeah. it's, it's not his fault he's been injured, I suppose, but it's just a waste of time, that one. But yeah, yeah. never mind. Um, it wasn't so good on Monday night, though. We, did, we lost 2 0 to Nottingham Forest, uh, which leaves us fourth in the league. So, yeah, second to fifth going to the playoffs. Um, and there's two sides just below us who do have a game in hand. So, it looks like it's going to go right down to the wire as to whether we end up in the playoffs or not. Um, this week's game is Middlesbrough at home for the under 23s. That's Friday, 7 pm, at the Bet365 Stadium. Um, under 18s, they lost 3 1 to Blackburn last Saturday. And this weekend, they were at home to Manchester United. So, that's taking place at Clayton Wood uh, on Saturday with an 11 am kickoff. And then the women, the women had a crunch game last Sunday. Real crucial match for them, and they're obviously just trying to make sure that they're going to stay up in the league they're in. Uh, they were losing 2 1 at half time, and I know on the social media they were making out, you know, big 45 minutes ahead. And uh, the, the girls, the ladies, the women, uh, they responded really well, came back, and they won 4 2 against Loughborough. Um, so yeah, congratulations and well done to them. And they go away to Fylde on Sunday this week, and they're kicking off at 2pm. Brilliant. Okay, well, good, good luck to everyone there. Lovely. Thank you, mate. Always good to, to have a catch-up. Um, great. So let's move on to uh, the, the fans' questions this week. And if we uh, we keep getting responses like this, then we'll uh, do this every single week next season. So uh, thank you to everyone who, who sent them in. Um, and, yeah, I mean, there's... There was a lot. Um, so let, let's get through them as, as quick as we can. Uh, now, uh, John Oldfield um, and also a chap called Stephen asked very, very similar questions, Andy. Um, so they said, what do we think about the summer? And it's ties with, uh, basically, as I said, what, what Stephen said um, around the whole contracts and how people are feeling a bit, you know, I don't know, worried about the summer, etc. And, you know, John, I, th- I think many supporters, understandably, aren't really feeling optimistic about next season. I, I do get it. We've had a season where we thought we were going to do well and we have just faded away. So I, I totally understand um, the kind of feelings there. Um, but for me, it's going to be a crunch summer. Uh, it's a make or break for O'Deal. Uh, I think everybody would probably um, agree with that. And, you know, if the owners do think that he is the man, which it sounds like it is, um, you know they've had a chance to get rid, you know, up to now. So if they think he's the man, then they absolutely need to back him 100% up to the maximum of FFP, the maximum we can do. Um, you know, if they have any doubts at all, and Andy, I'll get your thoughts before I ramble on. But if they have any doubts at all, they've got to just get rid and get rid quickly, haven't they? That's what you've got to do. You don't want to have a situation we had, for example, with Rowett or Jones, where they've had a transfer window. It's not worked out at that transfer window. And then new manager comes in with a squad of players where he has no idea who's really going to be his best team. He's going to be chopping and changing the system, which we've had so much already this this season. And we're going to be in the same place as we were before. If Michael O'Neill were to go be at the end of the season, you get a manager in and then he can do his business that he needs to in the in the summer transfer window and then have a good pre-season to decide what that team is from the get-go. If they stick with O'Neill, I feel like at the moment he will have the back until January. So if they do bring in a bring in a manager, he will still have a transfer window to sort of change the team to a way he wants to do. But like we said, if he is going to make changes and transfers, 
he's not going to be able to spend money unless he sells a player on and brings someone in for the same value or a few for that combined value. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, mate. And I think we talked about, you know, contracts and it's come up a couple of times this season. We've got seven or eight people, you know, in, in those kind of last bit of summer uh, for them. Now, what, when Stephen mentioned this comment as well, um, I thought I'm going to just take a bit more of a thorough look of exactly how our squad looks. Now, I'm going to run through a list of names here. There are far more than seven players we need to be worried about this summer. Um just just list just listen to this uh, list of players. These are people who are all out of contract, and then I'll I'll make an addition. So um Seema, obviously on loan, he'll be gone. Nick Powell, big question marks over Nick, Josh Madger, Liam Moore, Taylor Harwood Ballis, Tommy Smith, Joe Allen, Roman Sawyers, sorry, Romain Sawyers, uh Mario Vrancic, Jordan Thompson, James Chester, Stephen Fletcher. Uh, Jaden Villagin Vedace, can't you get me English out now? Um, and Phil Jagielka. Now, if you add on top of them uh, the additional players that we also have um, as well for next season that are coming towards the end, you've got, you know, the likes of, um, again, you can pull a few air out, but just three of them. So Sam Klukas, he'll clearly not in the, in the thoughts of O'Neill anymore. He'll be gone if we can get a, a player for him. Uh, you know, Fox. He'll be gone. Dehaney, he'll be gone. Um, so, yes, those the last three have got one-year contracts, but those will be wanting out of the club as well. So, I don't know if anyone's been counting. That's 17 players. Not just seven. 17 players that don't potentially have a future at the club. Now, one thing I will caveat this with, I think Joe Allen would definitely be wanted if he can bring his money in line. Um, Jaggy Elka. I think, yeah, we'd give him another year. Um, and then Thompson. I think Thompson is liked by the manager a lot. So I think even though he's injured, he would probably want to sign him. I would normally have put Nick Powell into that uh, that category, but I genuinely don't know what we're going to do there. You have a feeling that because we've got the one-year extension, if we had that automatically, we would just activate that anyway or re- renegotiate. Clearly, his injury situation is obviously causing us food for thought so like i said 17 players at best maybe 13 or 14 name me a team who has gone and signed 13 or 14 players and been successful that that same season i mean andy that that has a lot of people in it it is a massive list obviously like we said the players that we would like to keep the joe allen Jordan Thompson, Phil Jagielka, maybe Jagielka on a six-month until Sutar's fully fit. But like Romain Sawyers, I know he's coming to the end of his loan, but he's also out of contract at West Brom at the end of the season. It'd be good to have him coming. As we were discussing with, what's that midfield that we want to build around Baker? If you do want to have Baker playing that further back role, Sawyers, since he's been coming back, has been playing that more attacking role. He's been absolutely brilliant there. Like Liam Moore, for example, I'd love to see Liam Moore back. It depends on what money he's on, but he has done an absolute solid in that centre back role. And talk, I swear, so I heard forty grand a week, mate. Which, if grand. that's right, that's staggering. It's going to be like an Ellen. He's going to have to take at least half a pay cut for that. And yep. then, obviously, Nick Powell. It was everyone was like, "Oh yeah, he's going to resign another year. He's going to want to try and help us." But with his injury situation that he's had this season, and obviously the performances he's put in since coming back, maybe it is giving Michael O'Neill food for thought, like you've said on, you know, what's going to go on with his contract negotiations, maybe Michael O'Neill's just thinking, 
you know, we're going to leave it till the end of the season, see whether, you know, he's feeling like he's up to it or whether he just wants to move on. With the 2023 end of contract situations, the players you didn't mention that we most definitely keep, Jacob Brown, Joe Bursig, and I think Bonham's going to be kept as a number three. And I know a lot of people raise questions about Bonham on why he's playing and things like that, which we'll get into. But I think it's Michael O'Neill seeing whether he can do that, you know, second role if Bursic does get injured again. Yeah, I think the overriding factor for me, regardless. So let's say he goes and signs the players that we need, builds a team that he feels we need. For me, if O'Neill thinks he's under pressure now, if he goes and does this in the summer, he is going to be under immense pressure from the very beginning. You know, if he starts poorly next season, mate, and the daggers will be out very, very quickly. Yeah, as I said, he thinks he's under pressure now. Just you wait, because he will have literally probably the most flexibility any Stoke manager's had for a long, long time of completely revamping a squad this summer. So, yeah, he hasn't got many fans at the minute, but they ain't going to give him any time. Yeah, the one so, thing I don't want to see him do is just panic by, as you've seen managers in this situation do. They see the players out of contract and they go, oh, we'll have you, we'll have you, we'll have you. And then we're, we're back to the situation we had when, was it Jones in charge or Rowett, one of them, when we first came down and it was just, oh, we, we, we've, we've messed up here. And then we're back to square one from when we first came down. Yeah. Yeah, we can't afford it. And like you said, mate, it gives no manager that comes in if he's been sacked with, after a few months any movement then. Absolutely nothing at all. It's, it is, it literally, when I say make or break, and that term is used a lot, it is make or break for O'Neill now. If he stays, he's got to nail this in the summer. Otherwise, he could potentially screw us up for a couple of seasons again. And yeah. I don't think any, any fans are going to accept another year of rebuilding, mate. I don't think they're going to do it. Now, this, like the past couple of seasons since he came in, were meant to be the rebuild. And obviously, this was meant to be the season we go up. Obviously, the January transfer window we did was quite good recruitment. And what we saw on mm. paper, it's been very good. Obviously, Baker's been good. Uh, you've had Bidace, who's been injured, Jaggy Elker and Moore. Well, when Moore was fit, he was good. And it was a very, very good transfer window. Probably one of the better transfer windows we've had since we've come down. And obviously, one or two of them have picked up the injuries. And I, I don't know what it is with what they're doing in training or, you know, with what they're doing. But it seems to be a lot of the injuries come from those training grounds. And yeah, it's worrying. It's like like with Baker, he's it was meant they thought it was a fracture on the outside of his knee or something like that. Why, if if it's something like that, they are tackling way too hard in training. It is what they do need to look at. It, it we do seem to have a, a disproportionate amount of injuries from from training. So yeah, we'll we'll see what happens on that one. Um, another question that's come up as well, Andy. So uh, this was from Rory. So she basically says, um, what are our opinions on Jackie Elka? Now, personally, I think he's done perfectly fine. Um, he's not done much wrong. He's had a, the odd kind of dodgy performance, but certainly not done a James Chester. So, you know, for me as well, a, a player that's just come in um, has had his defence partner pretty much changed on a... Uh, yeah, what, what what was a regular basis? Howard Ballas is starting to get that firm there, but he's been with Moore and, and a couple of others, Chester. So for me, he's done really well. Um, again, right right wing back or right back, however you want to look at it, that's changed quite a lot of times. So there's been again 
that word we've used a lot, lack of continuity. We've said we'd probably renew his contract. For me, it's absolutely. Um, but what's your thoughts on Jaggy Alka, mate? Absolutely amazing. He's probably been one of the best defensive figures we've had at the back for quite a while, probably since about Shawcross. Uh, I know that's a bold statement, but <laughs> you wouldn't think that he was bought in January because he's put in that much performance. It didn't take him too long to get settled. And he knew exactly what to do from the get-go. And he, he's just showing what type of class he's got. Obviously, he's really experienced coming up to his 40th birthday now. And he's obviously captain Everton. He's captain England. He's played international football at a World Cup. He's got that experience that we need. And I feel like if he doesn't play all through next season, which he probably won't, like we said, he's probably going to be, well, he's at that Sutar replacement at the moment, sort of. If he only plays for a few months until he's fully fit, he would be a great asset in that change room to obviously help back the boys. Well, I, I think seeing him and Suter at the back together would be brilliant. I'd love to see that. It, it really would, would. It would be good. It's just the pace side of things is a bit lacking at that point. <laughs> yeah, but I think, again, I think good players can get away with that a little bit of pace at times. Mm-hmm. Obviously, in the defence, it can be a bit more worried. But yeah, for me, he's 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 got to sign for another year, or at least another six months to a year. But uh, yeah, so thanks, Rory. Uh, I think we're all probably on similar opinions there. I think I'm pretty sure you like Jags. Um, I was actually watching him uh, at, at Sheffield United, a quick uh, clip with Neil Warnock and stuff uh, the, well, the other day. So that was quite interesting. Okay, and uh, one of the final questions that came up. So, uh, Christian Clues, uh, why is Bonham playing over Bursic? Um, yeah, uh, good question. Now, my honest opinion here, I don't know. Uh, Dan, I'll see. Understand, <laughs> keen to understand what your thoughts are around why you think he's he's kind of getting the nod. I mean, for me, I think it's going to start peeing Joe off if it isn't already. He's going to see himself as being the number one. And it wouldn't surprise me if he's trying to get his half a leg out the door, mate, if this carries on. He's got to be given assurances he's going to be number one next season, or I think he won't stick around. Yeah, it's going to be... Um, he's, he's got to be number one next season. I was thinking that pretty much similar to what uh, Andy was saying before, where you know Bonham was playing because he wanted to have a close look at him. He wanted to know whether he could trust him to be a challenge to Joe Bursic, uh, a steady number two. If Joe Bursic was injured, suspended, missed six to ten games next season, is Jack Bonham capable of coming in and playing and not... Uh, being a hindrance to the team but I think he's played enough games now for the manager to have seen and made his mind up on that and I would be putting Joe back in really, I don't know why why he hasn't Um, yeah for me I I can't see any reason why we're still trying to play out from the back aren't we, we're making mistakes and we're giving goals away and the thing is that Bonham's not comfortable on the ball, and we play so much better when Bursic is a guy. And people have people have ridiculed me for saying this, but we we are such more capable of playing the ball out from the back with a goalkeeper who's happy to take the ball under pressure and is also willing to to play back into his centre halves. 
Bonham for for you for I think he, he's a good shot stopper. I like you know I think he makes some good saves, eye catching saves as well. But it, distribution wise, he's got one thing, and that's just whack it down the pitch as far as he can. <laughs> yeah, and out, out of play on a number of occasions. I seem to remember a couple against Reading. Mm. Um, but I mean, Andy, I'm, I'm assuming you're very similar to me and me and Dan, mate. To be honest, but feel free if you think Bonham's better. Go, you you let us know. <laughs> no, mate, it's it's the same like I've said. He wants to find out whether he can play that second keeper role. Potentially, he might not want to actually bring in a keeper in the summer transfer window if he is still here and wants to perhaps bring up one of the younger lads to be that third choice. But like we said, he has got good distribution, but it's only once down. That's hoofing it long. Um, he doesn't want to really play out from the back, as we've seen. Bursic can hold onto that ball and sort of act like a defender holding onto the ball and be able to play it and move with it. But he's a good shot stopper. Obviously, we've seen he can save a penalty. But it, it's one of them, mate. It's like Michael O'Neill, I think, had a proper good look at him as well of all the coaching staff. And I think Joe does need to go back into that starting spot to have that solidarity and knowing that he is going to be the number one next season. Yeah, two rides, and then we need to get another backup goalkeeper again. So uh, there's, a, there's another player we can add to the list. Um but yeah, so in terms of, I said kind of questions, that was pretty much it. There isn't actually, as, as we've actually been speaking, there was one more that's come in. Um, so uh, Ben Burgess, he says, how do uh, you think our youngsters are coming on? And what do you think could be done to bring the best out of them? And uh, Dove Valley Potter kind of adds to that and says, and why are we not give them more game time in meaningless games, such as the ones we've probably got coming up? Or does Michael O'Neill believe his job is at stake if we don't have a strong end to the season? Uh, Dan, I'll get your thoughts on this, mate. Firstly, how, how do you think the youngsters are doing? And I know you made a comment on this earlier in the week about we should be playing more youth players. And I went back with, you know, well, should we? Because the fans won't give O'Neill the time. So what's your thoughts, mate? Do you think we just... We, the, do, you think, well, actually, do you think the fans would accept that if we just played a load of youngsters? Right, the fans, anyone who doesn't want to accept that and wants to put results over looking and, and, and developing ready for next season is being very short-sighted, in my opinion. These next six games, other than getting a bit of momentum going into the summer break and, and a bit of good feeling around, uh, like I say, this, over the summer... They're not actually going to influence if we if we stick with the same if we put all the loanies in uh, and play players that are out of contract who are leaving the club in the summer and we win five out of the next six games, how is that going to help us come August? Yeah, too right. It's not. So the fans have got to be the fans have got to understand, or the or you know the the, the ones who were saying maybe will be criticising the manager if he plays youngsters and loses that. He's got a he's got a limited budget next season. He's not got the he's going to have more money than he's had to spend, but he's not got the riches that you know of previous um, Stoke managers before him. You know he hasn't got. I don't think he's got the uh, you know the nine million on Sam Vokes, the, the 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 fifty million on half a dozen Championship players that Rowett spent that kind of money. So he's got to look and he's got he's got to be thinking, where can I? You know, what, what what gaps can I fill 
and keep my budget for other other places. And if he wants to have a look at five, six players between now and the end of the season, and he finds out that four of them aren't good enough yet, but he'll think, well, we'll send one out on loan to League One because he's he's not, he's close, but he's not quite there. Um, one of them desperately needs game time today, so we'll get him out to uh, the bottom end of League Two or the, or the National League where we, you know, we can pretty much gain 17 more games. Um, and a couple of you know, and, and he can work out from that. But yeah. also, he may find from then six players that he's got two players. He may say one who is like, you know what? If I have to play him week in, week out, then yeah, he's shown me that he's got these, he fits into the professional game. He's mentally ready, he's physically ready, he's technically ready. I'm happy with that. And uh, he might end up with one other who he says, you know what? I'm not, he's not going to be my starter, but if somebody's injured, I'll be quite happy. I won't think twice about throwing him a shirt and saying, you need to play me. Uh, such a body's got a red card on Saturday, out for three games, down three games of yours, get yourself, a, get your boots on. Yeah. And that think- might, do you mean that he's got to look at it? He, he won't know. He won't know. He, he can watch under 23 football, and the under 23 is doing really well. We've just said the you know, playoffs. Um, and all yeah, they're in the playoff positions, but he won't know what that what were them players, how they'll react to professional football, championship football, until he sees them out on the pitch. Yeah, and it's all well and good doing it in the last two or three games, but at the same time, if half the team are on the pe- on the beach and the other team half them are on the beach, then are you getting a true reflection of them players' ability? Are they a being hindered because the players around them aren't fully focused and aren't fully on the game, whether that's right or wrong, or are they b are they going to look better than they are because the opposition can't be bothered because it's the end of the season? Well, I think one player that comes to mind was was Wright Phillips. I mean, obviously he's had a he had a storming start when he first came and uh, started on the first team, uh, absolutely man of the match performance. But I think since then he's struggled. But for me, I think we've just we figured out that he just doesn't play very well on the left of a three. Exactly. But yeah, for me, exactly. just behind, and again, Nick Powell's position. If you play him in the middle, in the position he actually started in, that could be a ready-made replacement. Yeah, exactly. So we, we have now, from playing him in these games, and these games that are still live, because the next, look at the fixtures that we've got, the next three games at least are going to be games where the opposition will be up for it, if nothing else. So there'll be three games where we can throw them in and we'll get, okay, the opposition are going to be on it. They're going to be, they, it's, it's a live game for them. How, how are you going to react? How are you going to perform? And so we'll learn more from putting them in now. These six games, it's got to start now. These next three will be more important than the last three, in my opinion. And like you say, right, Phillips, we played him. We played down through the middle. Fantastic. He's played out wide. He's, he's, he's done all right. He's a bit. He's nowhere near as effective as he was down the middle, though. So the manager can learn now. Okay, yeah, he maybe he's not a winger. Maybe he is a number ten. Yeah, obviously we've got Emery Tascal now. He's you know he's still such a young lad. You know what I mean? He's he's only just finishing his education. Um. So there's there's baby steps to be taken with him, and I think he's not something to be rushed. But at the same time, he, he's obviously a very special talent. So what level is he at? Again, 
why he needs to come in. He needs to be playing, you know, what this if he if he starts a game, comes on as a sub in two or three others between now and the end of the season, you know, give him give him hundred, hundred between, you know, hundred and twenty, hundred and fifty minutes spread over a few games and just see how he reacts. And and also as well, he can then play in these games and then come the summer he can go away and in his head he's thinking Right, I know, I've seen now. I've seen what championship football's like. I've seen what championship football, what championship defenders are like. I know how good I need to be to be in to be an asset to Stoke City at the minute. And so he goes away and he works at that. What he does over the next six weeks isn't going to define his Stoke career, is it? We aren't going to give up on him if he doesn't shine in the next six weeks. But it might just help and bring his development on a lot more. Yeah, absolutely, mate. And it would be a very interesting. I think now, more than ever, we, sh- we should see this. So let's keep an eye on it for the next, uh, well, for the rest of the season. Um, see exactly who makes a breakthrough. No, Forrester, we haven't mentioned. He's another yeah, one. So There's other ones you know. as well. Forrester, um, there's Tom Sparrow as well. He's another one. Um, obviously, so, I would I would have said Lewis Macari, Kieran Coates, but they're both on lo- out on loan in Ireland. I, I, would, I would be looking, I think, yeah, I'd be looking to play what I, I think we should get a minimum of two in yeah. um, in the next couple of weeks. And like I said, you should, there's probably about five, six players and just rotate which ones he's using and make sure they all get enough game time for him to know what level they're at. Keep our fingers crossed. There's some little gems in there, so fingers crossed. Um, but that pretty much does it for, for this week's questions. So thank you again, everybody um, who's uh, sent them in. Uh, same place next week. We'll leave a, a Twitter post out. Just leave your comments in there and we'll we'll go over them. So uh, thank you to everybody. Um, let's now look ahead to West Brom this weekend. <laughs> Okie dokie then, so looking ahead to uh, the Midlands derby against West Brom. Uh, again, head-to-head, the section I do love, um, where uh, Dan and Andy uh, both kind of battle it out for the for who's king of the stats. Um, so I'm going to come to you this week, Dan, to start with. Um, give us a lowdown, mate. What have you got? And let's see if Andy can match you. Well, I'm going to go with some some beautiful synchronicity this week. We've got the last six games, Stoke have won three, West Brom have won three. In that time, Stoke have scored six and West Brom have scored six. So you really cannot split us over the last six games that we've played with each other. However, the last two have both ended up 1-0 to Stoke. Uh, There's 2020 was the last game at the Hawthorns where Tyrese Campbell scored. Uh, and then obviously 2021, Nick Powell scored. Uh, do you know what uh, both those games had in common? They're both televised, but both televised by Sky. So yes, uh, not very often we get wins on on the uh, the old Sky TV, do we? But we managed both them games against West Brom. So yeah, Tony. Obviously, we had a long, long unbeaten run against West Brom, didn't we? I think it was about one defeat in 27. I think something something daft like that. Yeah. Um, through the 90s and the noughties and then obviously uh, t- when, as soon as Tony Pulis got appointed West Brom manager that all went to pot and we, we couldn't get anything against him for, for years <laughs> um, but yeah we looks like we may have turned the corner again like I said in the last two games 
Uh, so yeah, that's that's the main thing. Short and sweet on that point for me. I have got a lot of people who play for both sides, which I'll run through in a minute. But I'll uh, I'll let Andy throw his throw his stats out there now. All right. So my turn for once. <laughs> West Brom have actually lost their last two league games against Stoke, as Dan has did, did mention. But um, the last time they lost more in a row against us was December 2007 to November 2010, which was four in a row. We're looking to secure a first league double over West Brom since 2008-2009 season in the Premier League, where we won, as you guessed it, 1-0. Um, West Brom manager Steve Bruce has actually never lost a home game against Stoke. He's won three and drawn four of his seven games. And um, he's not actually done that against any other side except... Um, against sorry let me say that again no other side has faced more at home without ever losing them um the stoke which is seven against bristol um we are winless winless in our last eight away league games where we're drawn four and lost four um before that we did win four of the previous five and um obviously another fact about steve bruce he's winless in five league matches against stoke since a 4-0 victory as sunderland manager in september 2011 Going on to their injury news, um, they do have Daryl Dye, who I believe came in in the January transfer window. Um, he's out for the rest of the season with a hamstring injury. Um, Matt Phillips is another player. He's returning to full training next week, so it's a shame about him. Obviously, he's a good player, but it's good to see him out of the team. Um, as well as that, Kenneth Zahor is going to be out for the rest of the season. Uh, Dane has got a thigh injury, and Can Bryan is also out for the summer. And he has got a ACL injury. Mm, and you missed one of the, mo- the most obvious facts of them all, you know. Both of you did. Steve Bruce has got a big, big head. <laughs> that chance going to be going around with Josh Madger now, isn't it? Uh, Ken- the Kenwin Jones chant will be going. Some would say he's got a big, fat, flipping head. <laughs> I like that, mate. Yeah, it was, there's children who listen to this as well. You've got, you've got to behave, so well done. Yeah, we'll go with flipping. Uh, I'll have to, we'll have to insert some audio file here with a, with a warning on, I think. Anyway, uh, yeah, thanks both. Uh, very, very good on the stats front. Um, cool. So, uh, one... Do you, uh, want, uh, do, you want the, do you want the past players? Yeah. Oh, well, <laughs> I've just away. moved on. Come on, come on then, Dan. Boris. Right, so two current players, James Chester and, of course, Romain nope. Sawyers, who is unavailable. Uh, both I Chester for, played for them. Aye, yes. So they, they got him in his prime. Whereas, <laughs> Has he ever had a prime? Yes, he used, to be, he used to be pretty decent, you know. Oh, he did, didn't he? He played 13 games for him. <laughs> uh, talking of decent Sancho-Arves, Laris Sigurdsson. He played for both teams. Uh, and then I'm going to run through, there's quite a few names, so I'm going to chuck them out there um, and listen listen to Mike going, ooh, oh, ooh, yeah, oh, yeah, I remember. <laughs> so we've got Russell Holt, Peter Rodden Wingy, yeah. Ben Foster, Saido Berahino, Darren Fletcher, <laughs> Keith Andrews, Neil Cutler, Garth Crooks, Martin Fullop, Jeff Hurst, Glenn Johnson, Tony Kelly, James McLean, Boaz Mael, James O'Connor, Steve Parkin, Paul Pesky Salido, Graham Potter, Mickey Thomas, Gavin Ward, Ashley Williams, and Mark Wilson. Bloody hell, that's some 
list, mate. There must be a record. Do you know what? There's quite a few as well that were transferred between the two teams as well. Uh, when I was looking, there was, yeah, there's quite a few where, like, obviously people like Larry Sigurdsson, Sido Berahino, Darren Fletcher, who had, like, sort of, you know, left West Brom for Stoke or left Stoke for West Brom. Christ. When I heard the name Gavin Ward, I just went back to the referee. <laughs> <laughs> oh, but Neil Cutler and people are like James O'Connor, legend. It's um... like Berahino, mate. He was good at West Brom, shocking here, and then he's gone over to Sheffield Wednesday and it's absolutely ripping up for him. Well, he's up for player of the month, but he's he's like he scored that hat trick the other week, but I don't think he's, he hasn't really done much else. <laughs> he's got like six goals in twenty six. Goals in twenty four. Yeah, six in twenty four. So if you take that hat trick out of the equation, he's not he's really like, done much. Yeah. Well, yeah, he's he's not he's not soiling our um, eyes or anything else anymore, is he? So then get on with it, whatever he's doing. Yeah, leave him to it, mate. Um, yeah. Anyway, yes, moving on now, if that's okay with you, Daniel. Um, <laughs> we, oh, wow. Yeah, we, we always like to hear from a certain Mr. Graham McGarry. Uh, never lets us down. I, don't, I think he's been almost a permanent fixture on this pod since week one, if I remember. Um, so, yeah, thanks to Graham this season. But let's have a quick list to see what his prediction is for the weekend. Hi there, you Potters podcast people. Hello there, it's Graham McGarry back again after the international break. I hope you enjoyed your little breather from your football. This is Graham McGarry with that Potters prediction. Let's hope we get it right this weekend. Stoke City 2, Hull City 0. Stoke 1, West Brom 0. Stoke are ready to win at home. 2-0 for the Potters. Hello there once again, you Potters predictors. This is Graham McGarry just looking ahead to the weekend's game against West Bromwich Albion. Not been a good week so far for Stoke, beaten of course by lowly Reading on Tuesday night by two goals to one. Well, they're back on their travels once again for this coming weekend's fixture away to the Albion at the Hawthorns. It renews rivalry, of course. There have been plenty of interesting games between these two clubs. Unfortunately, this one that's taking place this weekend is one where just pride is at stake. But with a big following of Stoke fans heading down the M6, going to be behind their team, Michael O'Neill's side will be looking to get back to winning ways. It's going to be a tricky game. I don't think Stoke will lose it, but I don't think they'll win it. I'm going to give you plenty of goals. West Brom 2, Stoke 2. Yeah, love it, Graham. Thank you very much indeed, mate. 2-2, two, two. so you've seen goals, a.k.a. we go 2-0 up and concede two goals. So thank you very much for that, Graham. Um, and uh, we've spoiled you again with audio. So this is Louis from the Baggies podcast. Hello to the listeners of the Every Step Along The Way podcast. Uh, it's Lou Bent here from the Baggies podcast uh, to give you a little bit of an insight uh, into West Bromwich Albion ahead of our game on Saturday. Yeah, how times have changed for both clubs, really. Uh, it wasn't too long ago that the, the pair of us were, were, were you know, uh, towards the top of the championship at the start of the season. You know, I remember a time where we were, of course, both in the Premier League only a few years ago. But, yeah, this season has been a real whirlwind for Albion, of course, starting off the season so well uh, under Valerian Ishmael and, and tailing off after about a couple of months or so. And and it's been on the landslide ever since then. And we, we just haven't recovered from, from that setback and... 
you know the players their confidence looks shot Steve Bruce has come in as as manager to try and try and fix things and, and he hasn't been able to which is a shame because I thought he'd be able to lift confidence but he hasn't been able to do so um yeah we're 12th in the league which is not where we want to be we want to be in, in and around the playoffs and yeah it's, it's just been a really difficult season the worst one I've seen in my lifetime uh by some margin and yeah, the playoff hopes are, are well and truly over now and it's it's not where we want to be mid-table championship and it's not where we should be having just come down from the Premier League with uh, largely the same sort of players that we came down with as well. But yeah, um, yeah, I think uh, this, this, this game is going to be difficult. I think the best performance of the season I've seen against Albion still remains to be uh, yourselves uh, at, at, you know, away from home and, and you were fantastic that night. Uh, the victory against ourselves, the, the first loss of the season as well. I think that was still the best performance that we've had against us this this year. But um, yeah, expectations going into it. I'm not not particularly positive. I'll, I'll maybe arrange my answer depending on how we get on at Bournemouth on Wednesday night. But yeah, I, I do think it's going to be another defeat. I just can't see us uh, picking up a good run of form before the end of the season. I think in terms of players you need to look out for, I think in terms of Goal scoring, it's got to be Carlan Grant, who's of course had a really good season in front of goal, albeit lacking a little bit in terms of his um, his in playability. But yeah, I think um, he's he's one to look out for in terms of goals. Taylor Gordon Hickman's a bright young prospect in the midfield. Shemi Ajayi's been doing very well as an overlapping centre back, so maybe good to watch out for him. Uh, maybe get somebody to track back with him because he likes to to bound forward. He's very quick as well. So yeah, I think my prediction would probably be uh, I'll probably go for a a one all draw. Uh, uh, at the Hawthorns. Yeah, I'm not positive about this, especially the way that you guys played last time. You you were very good and I think that um, that, that your manager set you up in perfect stead to get a result um, uh, at home. So yeah, not looking forward to this one, but yeah, thank you very much for inviting me on to the Every Step Along the Way podcast uh, again. Yeah, thank you very much. Take care, guys. Louis, thank you very much as well, mate. I much appreciate your input. So uh, yeah, uh, a bit of contrast since we both, uh, well, since last time we had Louis on this pod, actually, I think we were uh, both kind of, if I remember rightly, second and third at the time. Um, so yeah, um, how the, 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 the tables have turned, if you how like. How the turn so, tables. How the turns the tables, yeah. Uh, anyway, so moving on to team selections, guys. Um, Dan, I'm going to let you go first this week, mate. I normally leave you last, which is where you belong, but um, I'll, let, I'll let you go first. What What's your team selection and score prediction, please? So is this my team who, ha- who I would play? Correct. Don't need to explain particular reasons. You why don't need to play to. Madger if you don't want to. No, I like Josh, I like Josh Madger. He's a good player. Um, right, I'm bringing Joe Bursey back in goal. I'm Three. picking this team for me. Yeah, I think uh, yeah, we we've had enough of Jack Bonham. He's he's proven that he can be number two, and he's not going to be chucking him in his own net if he has to play a few times next season. Uh, but to me, obvious number one is going to be Joe Basic. So he best get back between the sticks because let's face it, he is only still a young lad himself. So he's still going to be learning and uh, gaining experience from playing. It's not as if he's thirty and played three hundred games, is it? Yeah. Uh, you know. These six games himself, he could be learning and developing. So, uh, so yeah, I'd, I'd get him back between the sticks. Um, Wilmot can stick himself at right back still. I'm bringing Will Forrester in to uh, to play with Phil Jagielka in the centre-halves. I think, uh, yeah, Jagielka being the experienced head. And I think, Andy, you said earlier on, like, uh, Suter and, Fo- and Jagielka, like a pace issue. 
if they played together. I actually think both of them. I think Jagielka, especially considering he's thirty nine, is actually still got still got good um, sprint. Yeah, yeah it's like, not so exactly speed. like he's slow. It's just towards the end of the game where you could potentially yeah, I think, be I an think issue they, with it. Then first few yards, I think he's he's quite rapid, isn't he? Like, you know, yeah, and then he just sort of drops off. And, uh, and actually, I think Harry Suter is really quick, especially for somebody you usually, you know, you get six foot five, six foot six, six, six foot seven, seven, and he's he's quite you quick for a tall lad, isn't he? Yeah, there's been quite a few times where he's covered ground and you know, putting some last ditch tackles that have been like inch perfect in there, and he's matched pacey wingers and stuff before, obviously, before his injury. Um, so yeah, I wouldn't, I wouldn't particularly have a pace issue concern, but obviously Suter not being fit yet. So yeah, I'm going to go with Forrester. I think he needs to come in, as I've been saying, just brings you know bringing and phasing some of these youngsters into the side over the rest of the season. Uh, he's definitely ready for it. He's had some good games at Mansfield. He was unfortunate. He picked up you know a few injuries while he was there that limited his. His actual game time, but when he did go on the pitch, they absolutely adored him. They thought he was fantastic. Um, he's obviously played for us at the end of last season, scored against Swansea. Um, so yeah, for me, he's going to be partnering Jagielka. I'm sure he'll learn a lot from that. And Josh Timon is uh, maintaining his place at left back uh, purely because I don't think we've got anyone else. <laughs> yeah, that was his out. Not that I don't want to play really Josh Tymon. The quality of player that we need at the moment. Yeah, not that they're not that um, I don't want to play Josh Time, and I didn't mean that at all. But uh, <laughs> it was more of a case of like you know he is he's pretty much made that position his own now, hasn't he? There's no competition for him. Yeah, fair enough. Uh, midfield, I'm going to go with a midfield three. So I'm going with Baker, Allen. And obviously, it would have been Sawyer's, but Sawyer's obviously, he, with him being um, ineligible due to playing against his parent club. Uh, so we aren't the only team who do it, Paul Lentz. Just quit your engine. You know, still moaning about Tom. Well, us not letting Tom Ince play once he against Reading. <laughs> and he took Liam Moore back, so Liam Moore could give him some advice. <laughs> um, but yeah, so I'm going to have Baker, Allen, and I'm actually going to put Adam Porter in. Um okay. So, yeah, he's going to be playing in the, in the three. And then the three up front, we're going to have Campbell on the left. I'm going to play Brown on the right. And I'm going to stick with Magic through the middle as well. Mm. I think, yes. So, uh, yeah, I think right, Phillips will be on the bench. Um, if we change the formation slightly and maybe push one of the midfielders into like a 10 position, then I'd be bringing him on. If we wanted, like say, change to like a 4-2-3-1, then right, Phillips would be coming in as my 10. Um, but yeah, other than that, I think, yeah, I would, that, that would be the team I'd be playing. And what's your score prediction? Um... To be honest, I think, as I was saying earlier on, I think these next six games, the score itself is probably secondary to learning and developing and gaining knowledge. Uh, but if you're going to push me for a score, I am going to say 1-1. Nice. OK, well, I'm, I'll tell you what, I was going to go for 1-1, so I'll uh, I'll take that. Um, in terms of defence and goalkeeper, I'm exactly the same as you. 
in a way um, was slight difference actually thinking about it. So yeah, burst can goal. I'm pointing Harwood. I'm going four three three. I'm pointing Harwood Ballas at right back. Uh, Jagielka and Forrester uh, together in the middle with time and obviously at left back. Um, and then I'm going for Baker and Allen in the midfield, uh, kind of holding. And then I've got Bedace on the left if he's fit, of course. Um, we've got Brown on the right. I've got Phillips in the number 10 position because I think that's where I want to see him have a strong end to the season. And I'm putting Tyrese up front. I want Tyrese running that line, getting into positions. He's an intelligent player. You know, at the minute, we're trying to hump, hump it long to, you know, Maja, who can't hold the ball up. It's not his strength. So it's coming straight back at us. I'd rather us play a, a particular searching ball forward that he can run onto and create some danger and bring other people into it. So, uh, yeah, that's mine uh, for that one. Andy, any particular major differences on your side, mate? It's not particularly, obviously, with the right-back spot, Smith isn't getting there at the moment. Dehaney obviously hasn't been good enough. So, it's the same backline bar. I wouldn't mind Howard Bell. It's all Wilmot playing there. So, either or I'd be happy. Obviously, bringing Bursic back into the team. The midfield, relatively the same. But I feel like... As of late, Jacob Brown hasn't really been, you know, the player that we know he can be. And seeing as how he's been in the under-23s, I want to see how Seema can do from the get-go of a game. I know it's a bold one, but if he isn't doing well, say after an hour or so, bring Brown back on with Wright Phillips in that, you know, sort of central attacking midfielder role, Bidace on the left and then Campbell up top. Okay, so make Seema actually earn his money for once, basically. Yeah. Okay. Is the, I mean, if Seema, do we are you wanting Seema back next season, Andy? We, we haven't seen much of him, mate. So it's one of them. If if he can get some game time and show that he can be the player that we apparently knew he could be, then potentially. But at the moment, mate, it's a no from me. So, yeah, I'm just thinking like if he's if you. Saying like you know you're not going to want him back. He's been a bit too injury prone. Not worked out. Best cut a, cut a losses, and you're going to find somewhere else to develop. What would you like if he does come in and obviously performs on Saturday? What we are we going to be the benefit? Of, are we going to be the you know is that going to benefit us or is it benefiting Brighton and wherever he is next year? It's one of them, obviously, a lone player like Seema has come in to develop. It's like Bidace, are we trying to help Villa with his development? How about are we trying to help City with his development? It's one of them because Seema's still a young player. Mm. He's only 21, 22, but with the situation at the moment, where are Brighton in the league? Probably about 15th, 16th. If they come down, which it looks unlikely at the moment, Will he play for there? Will Seema want to potentially find a club which is higher quality? Potentially. Will he get into the team if they're in the Premier League? Probably not. Yeah, I mean, I can see like Harwood Bellis and Philly Jean Bedace. I can see I can see Stoke trying to get them again next season. So I can understand like, you know, trying to get them to have a good end to the season because it could help us bring them back in if if that's what we wanted to. Yeah, yeah. Which I think for both of them, would be good additions to our squad next season. It'd be a great addition. Obviously, you yeah. could have an option of, yeah. a, of potential to buy them if they play well or if we get promoted. Yeah, but like I said, I just think with Seema, I think even if we went and back and maybe said, "Oh, can we have him again?" I think because of how this year's how this year's turned out, Brighton would probably want to send him somewhere else anyway. 
Um, okay. Because they can't be happy with the season he's had. I know it's not no. really been anybody's fault, but it's just been unlucky, Auntie. But it's probably, you know, if they sent him back here, to be a case of like, why, really? Are you sure he needs a fresh start somewhere? Yeah, and you can't see him wanting to necessarily come back for any particular reason, unless he likes oat cakes. I don't, I don't know. But, <laughs> Who doesn't like yeah. an oat cake? Um, believe it or not, uh, the a few of my family members, and I think they should be ashamed of themselves. But they're not proper Stokies. Yeah, <laughs> I know weirdos. Um, anyway, uh, that pretty much does it for the team selections. But Dan, I believe you've been um, preparing a quiz for us this week, mate. So uh, yeah, bring it on. Let's see how many we get wrong this week. So, do you want to know what your quiz subject is? Go on. We do. I said it was topical, didn't I? Mm-hmm. His name's already been mentioned. It's Sido Berahino quiz. Oh, oh God. God. <laughs> okay. Da, da, da. Yeah, I'm an expert on Sido. Brilliant. Your specialty subject is the life and times of Sido Berahino. <laughs> Hmm, okay. question, question number one. Which African country was Saido born in? Burundi. Correct. Which club did he come close to signing for in 2015 after netting 20 in 45 games the previous season? Spurs won it. It was Tottenham. Tottenham. £20 million did you bid for it? Yeah. You <laughs> I bet they're glad they didn't do that. <laughs> and he had a big fall, he had a big fallout with Tony Pulis about it, didn't he? Yeah, and then he joined us. So in 2014, he was voted England's under 21 player of the year. Who was second in that poll? 2014. Oh. Having a think now, because obviously quite a few of the senior players for England now are. We're playing for the 21s then. Can we know positions? <laughs> um, no, I think whatever clues I give you would probably give it away. Okay. I don't that know, mate. That. Ross Barkley. Ross Barkley? No, it really? was Harry Kane. Really? <laughs> <laughs> wow. <laughs> So, I was just thinking it's sort of the period where Zaha and them would have been in that team, like Sterling and that when he was at Liverpool. Yeah, so when he was England under 21 strike, Harry Kane was on the bench and he kept Harry wow. Kane outside at first. So he kept Harry Kane out the England under 21 side. Tottenham tried to sign him to replace Harry Kane in 2015. Now that doesn't really show how the turntable. <laughs> yeah. Just so, a on, on that team, mate. You got like Adam Lalana, Ricky Lambert, Kieran Gibbs, Callum Chambers. Oh my god, yeah. Anyway, the, carry midfield, on. You got Lingard, Morrison, Ravel Morrison, Nick Powell, Lewis Baker was in there, an 18 year old young lad. Right, off Google now. Stop, stop Google. I've turned it off. I've turned it <laughs> that, off. That's, that's the only time we were allowed at that point to see who was in that team. <laughs> Question number four. Injury ruled him out of the 2015 European Under-21 Championships. Which player, who he later played with at Stoke, replaced him in the squad? Bloody hell. It was a like-for-like replacement. Like-for-like. Is it like replaced him in the team or when we moved Berahino on? No, he was a like so. In 2015, England under-21s, he was going to be in the European Championship squad. He okay. got injured. 
and they brought another striker in to replace him in the England under-21 squad, no, who he then later played with at Stoke. Bloody hell, that's no. a good question. That is a good one. Give up. Go on, mate. Well, yeah, I'll pass on that. Benicophobi. Oh. oh, really? Okay. Yeah. Yeah, he's not actually as old as we think. Um, question number five. Which West Brom manager gave him his debut in 2014? It was Woy. Woy Hodgson. Uh, Woy. The <laughs> owl. Woy. Owl. <laughs> Managing Watford at the age of 97. I felt so sorry for him when we were having that horrific weather the other week and he's doing them. <laughs> and they were making him stand in front of a board on the pitch. It's absolutely slatted now. I'm like, the man's going to get pneumonia. He's like <laughs> nearly 80. What are you doing? What, just Need send somebody retire, else really. to do it, surely. <laughs> Need to retire. Uh, question number six. How much did Stoke pay West Brom for him in t- January 2017? <laughs> It's going to be a high amount, isn't it? it? What, mate, it was. It was double figures because we tried to sign him. Well, if Tottenham wanted to pay about 24. Yeah, we, 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 I think we tried the next season, couldn't get him. And then we tried again, I think the season after or something. It was around. 18? No, it wasn't that high. Uh, it was t- 10 to 12, something around 12 that. Million. Some, something around let's, that. Let's go with 12. I'm thinking ten, but yeah, go 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 with go with Andy, mate. Go with ten, no twelve. Sorry, it was twelve million. Oh, okay. it, it would have risen to fifteen million with add-ons. I don't think we have spared you. We're not going that in depth. <laughs> no, I don't. Th- I don't think we had to pay any them add-ons. Otherwise, <laughs> um, yeah. So well done on that one. Question number seven. On the 30th of September 2017, while still searching for his first Stoke goal, he won a penalty and then had it saved. He took it himself and had it saved by Fraser Forster. Which future Premier League winner fouled him for that penalty? Played Southampton. Uh, Who did Southampton have in defence then? Virgil van Dijk? Yeah, Virgil van Dijk. Shout. He's the, he's the only defender I could think around that time who's actually, you know, done something. And I swear, like, Liverpool and Southampton are pretty much partnership clubs, but they don't want to, like, disclose it. That could be like a claim to fame for Berahino, couldn't it? I made Virgil van Dijk foul me. <laughs> I didn't want a penalty. <laughs> uh, question number eight. Who did he score his first Stoke goal against? Ooh. God, so it was a we... header, wasn't it? Wasn't it? Wasn't it that looping header? It Wait, was indeed. It was right. Okay. Oh God! Uh, it was a league cup tie. Oh, yeah, that that, um, that widens the variety rather than shortening it down. Oh God! Oh, it was. That was the first goal. The second goal oh. was, an, was an own goal from 45 yards. Right. No, uh, you know, funny enough, I've got Sky Sports on the back. Yes, I've got Sky Sports on the background. It's Huddersfield. Yeah. He tried to volley it away, didn't he? And the keeper and Tommy was just Smith running just out. appeared on the screen in Huddersfield <laughs> top. <laughs> Great timing. Yeah, it Sorry, was probably yeah, the best clearance we've seen for a while, that is. <laughs> uh, question number nine. Who did he score the last of his four Stoke goals against? God paid twelve million for four goals, so it would have been Not championship, sure. wasn't it? And it probably it's, a penalty. It's a game that we have in on this podcast talked about recently. Uh, oh, 
No, it wasn't that game, was it? <laughs> it, it, it? It wasn't the where the Char- where Charlie Adam missed the penalty against Brighton or whatever, was it? No, he didn't score in the, no, it was in the championship. Oh no, no, he didn't, did he? Twenty-eight games, no goals in the Premier League for us. <laughs> God. Oh, I don't know. I can't think, mate. You gonna go? Let me tell you. Oh, give me a sec, <laughs> mate. Honestly, I've got no clue. I have it, no clue was, whatsoever. It was the Millwall game when we beat them one 0 in December 2018, which we talked about last week as being a. It was well, the few weeks ago when we played Millwall, as it was a the last time we'd beaten them before we did a couple of weeks ago, and b it was Gary Rowett's last win as Stoke manager. Of course, nice. So yes, I remember that. He ghosted between two centre-halves and just glanced his header in the far corner. It was a great goal. Uh, And the final question, number 10. Which ex-Stoke player criticised his attitude, effort and punctuality on talk sport, saying, if I was the owner or manager of a football club, I wouldn't take him if you paid me? Oh, God, I remember this. Uh, Glenn Johnson. It was Glenn Johnson, yes. Of course it was Glenn yeah. Johnson, wasn't it? Yeah, I yeah. remember that. It was, I remember it being all over Twitter, yeah. And then Peter Crouch came out and said, yeah, I'm not saying he's wrong in what he says, but Sido wasn't the only one. <laughs> oh, and then that kicked off a lot of other questions, yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> all right. Well, I don't, how many did we get, mate? We didn't do too bad, I don't think. That wasn't bad at all. No, considering that, you know, not all them questions were Stoke-related either. Really, so you did all right. You got the first two right. Um, got the 12 million. Uh, Van Dyke, Huddersfield. And then the last one, yeah, six out of ten. That's not bad going at all. I'll take that about someone we'd like to forget. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Yeah, well, he had a dry patch of 913 days between his last West Brom goal and his first Stoke goal. I remember that. When we finally broke that, everyone was like, hallelujah. <laughs> He just needed a goal. He just needs one going, then he'll be he'll be on fire now. About that. <laughs> yes. Anyway, um, I think this podcast has been long enough, guys, to be honest. So, um, Dan, thank you for the quiz. Much appreciated. Um, and, uh, yeah, uh, thanks for both of you for joining. And we're marching on to the end of the season. Not many of these left. Um, so, Anyway, enjoy the rest of your week. Hope everyone's enjoyed this particular pod. Um, and uh, yeah, like I said earlier, get in touch if you want to discuss anything and we'll add it on to next week's pods. But uh, chaps, I love you and leave you. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.